taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of apologetics while taking truth into the arena of ideas. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we enter into the arena of ideas. The Word of God says in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, a word that we all need to remember, that for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment, or as some translations say, sound mind. This is the Word of God. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of Christian apologetics, while taking the truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast. My name is Kurt Sevelo, and I'm joined by Brian Chilton as we answer your most pressing apologetic and theological questions of the day. Well, hello, everyone. We've been praying for you. I hope your Christmas found you well, and and uh, and, and you're on the other side of things looking at the new year. It's not going to be like a flip of a switch where everything gets started over brand new. <laughs> We're going to keep dragging everything from 2020 into 2021, but it'll be okay. Uh, let's go ahead and welcome on Brian. Hello, Brian. Hello, Curtis. How you doing, brother? Good, good. Hey, so um, you want to kind of go over the, the the part on Bellator Christie there where we talked about or where you had the article up about uh, the top 20 nations that access Bellator Christie? That was kind of intriguing. I kind of wanted to touch on a little bit of that. Yeah, hold on just one second and let me pull this up. Um all right, click, click, and tap, and we should be ready to roll if my internet wants to work. Uh, out here in rural America, that doesn't want to work as well <laughs> as it does in some places. But yeah, uh, you know, twenty twenty for Bellator Christie has uh, has been a good year. It's been the second high. We've had the second highest views uh, since we've been around. Uh, since we got this thing started in two thousand twelve. Uh, it was under a different name, uh, but finally gravitated to the current format uh, here about, I think it's been the current format with Bluehost now for about four years, four or five years now. But uh, uh, yeah, in uh, in this year, 2020, although we've seen a lot of problems happen, of course, and this year, uh, Bellator Christie has reached, I would dare say, over 90% of the nations of the world. Um, in fact, uh, Bellator Christie has been reached by all of North America, all of South America, all of Oceania. This includes uh, Australia, um, New Zealand, and, and the islands around about. Uh, all of Europe, 80% of Africa, and 90 to 95% of Asia. And the top 20 nations accessing Bellator Christie include from going from number 1 to 20, uh, the, the the number one nation accessing the resources are, is our own home nation here in the United States. Second, Philippines. Number three, the mm. United Kingdom. Four, Canada. Five, India. In fact, the other day, India was the first nation to uh, to access the website more than the United States, which was very intriguing to me. Uh, Nigeria was number six. Australia, number seven. By the way, our podcast is one of the top 110 religious podcasts in Australia, so we're, we're thankful for our friends uh, down under. Uh, number eight, South Africa. Number nine, Ghana. Number 10 in Germany. Uh, number 11, Kenya. Number 12, Singapore. Number 13, Indonesia. 14, New Zealand. 15, Ireland. 16, Brazil. 17, the Netherlands. 
And you have some family from the Netherlands, if I'm not mistaken, don't you, Curtis? <laughs> well, not really, kind of, I guess, but um, uh, it's more Dutch. More, more Dutch. Dutch. Yep. Well, yep. N- number 18, France. Number 19, Malaysia. And number 20, the United Arab Emirates, uh, which is very fascinating. I, mean, I was very fascinated by this list, and so uh, very intriguing. Ireland really, Ireland really intrigues me that it's that it's that way too because that's um very orthodox over there. Yeah, yeah, that Catholicism is is uh, large there. Of course, now they also have a lot of Protestants over there as well. So, uh, uh, very intriguing. And we're thankful for everyone who accesses Bellator Christi. In fact, I, I read on a uh, another apologetic site today uh, that they were talking about that it's good not to have ministries named for the person founding it, which is exactly the reason why we moved from Pastor Brian Chilton dot com to Bellator Christi because I didn't want the ministry focused on me. I wanted it focused on on Christ. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be focused on being a warrior of Christ, fighting for the truths that really matter. And that's what Bellator Christi is all about. Uh, right. Right. Well, people, I just want you to know we're very proud. We're very thankful. We're very honored uh, to have people listening from all over the all over the world. What a what an honor and and uh, such a neat thing to be able to discuss, and and just another entry point to be able to have a discussion with somebody in ministry. Well, so. and, and, and Curtis, let me say another another thing about that too is the, the fact that Bellator Christie has become a global ministry, and that's one of the reasons why I felt led by the Lord not to focus on American politics because for our friends in the United Arab Emirates and Australia, American politics doesn't really matter to them. They want to know the truths of Christianity. And so that's why we've kind of focused on on the things that really matter because ultimately it's not about the United States. It's not about another nation. It's about the kingdom of God. Right. Right. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting to me that, that it uh, has consumed that that topic has consumed a lot of apologetics right now, and absolutely, um, it, it's it's actually it's kind of like okay, let's get back to let's get back to talking about you know theology and and why we believe what we believe. Um, that's where we that's where we can build the strength in amongst our people, whether no matter what we believe, you know, it's well, and, and one folks, side or the other in politics. And, and I would tell folks, you know, it's a shame that you don't hear the pre-show to these podcasts because Curtis and I spent 45 minutes talking eschatology and talking not only eschatology we talked about other issues theologically and I thought I was so tempted to just hit the record button because <laughs> we were talking about such good stuff we were talking about political debates we were talking about the truths that truly transform lives and that's about the truths of Christ right. yeah good stuff so our our podcast today our, our topic today is going to be the uh, the top ten things or or, or challenges Christians are going to face going into twenty twenty one. Do you want to go ahead and kind of give us a little bit on that? Yeah, and, and we want to mention you know Curtis and I were talking about you know a couple of these, um, and, and really these could be placed in different order. 
In fact, we have a comment uh, bar on um, at the end of every article and podcast where you can leave your comment. If you if you disagree with our order, you know, let us know in the comments. You know, um, I do think these ten issues, no matter how you rank them, are things that we need to focus on, right? And and, and challenges that we're going to have to face moving into twenty twenty one. And so, right. uh, going in and according to our list, you know, um, again, this could be placed in a different order. Uh, number 10 is one that could very, very easily be number one, and that's mm. uh, the, the, the challenge that we have to have uh, prayer with our family and have regular devotions. Mm-hmm. And Curtis, this is one that you had selected, and I think a very good one at that. Right, right. It, and I and I use this when I discuss with um, men in men's ministry and just discussing with 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 men in general, as far as getting them to engage biblically with their family. And one of the greatest things that they can do, and it's one of the toughest things, there are so many men out there that that will not take this step because they're scared. Because here's the thing, you live with your wife, you live with your kids. They know your weaknesses, they know how you act on the bad days, they know how you act on the good days, they know everything about you. And for a man to say, well, to for me to pray or for me to pray for my kids or for me to um, say, okay, let's stop, let's pray about this real quick, that means they have to actually hold themselves to a, 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 a quote-unquote level of holiness. Well, that then becomes legalism. Mm. It, it, and, and so this is a step that I think every man needs to take and rise up in his family and say, today i will do this and every morning you get up before you for me every morning i get up before i go do anything i'm grabbing my wife and we're we're sitting there at the door and, and i pray before i leave and we just pray over the kids and we pray over a topic that's going on or we pray over we pray over the finances we pray over the calving season whatever it is we're we're just praying for it we're praying for guidance we're praying for wisdom we're praying for correct alignment in our hearts of what we're doing for the day mm. just just those kind of things god open my eyes and my ears to be able to speak truth into somebody that i come in contact with today that's as simple of a prayer as you need to pray you know yeah and it's, it's simple and and it doesn't have to be be some big formality thing it doesn't have to be some big long drawn out thing it can be just as simple as god Thank you for this woman that is blessing me today for just being here with me. And, and i got to give a shout-out to a professor who has influenced my life greatly, and that's Dr. Leo Purser. And so, Dr. Purser, if you're listening to this, I, I, and, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate you and what you've taught me in this. And, and he, I've noticed that a lot of times when people online have a prayer request, and he'll, he'll say, I prayed for you just now. And, and he's, I've spoken with him about that, and he said, you know, Brian, we don't have to think that these prayers we pray have to be long and drawn out. Just a simple, Lord, be with this person in their need. That mm-hmm. that goes a long way, because that's praying for the person that's, that's petitioning God on their behalf. When we right. pray, that's what we're doing, petitioning God on their behalf. And so, you know, it could be just a minute or two. Praying needs to be part of our lives Right. And and I think you you bring up a great point. I think that's part of the reason why so many families are struggling now, 
because we're not bringing prayer into the home. And I think you could even add family devotions to this. Um, sure. Spending time together in the Word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or just even asking questions. Um, you know, there's something, there's some time, sometimes we'll be sitting around the, the dinner table and I'll just be, we'll just be talking, eating dinner, and then I'll ask a simple biblical question and of course my kids they all they all hate it they're like oh you know and they roll their eyes but it's it's really fun to hear their take on some of that stuff and to hear what they're learning and to hear what they're understanding and if there's maybe a little bit of maybe a little misunderstanding it gives me an opportunity to maybe uh right the ship a little bit so mm-hmm. to, so to speak or or maybe put wind in their sails to, to get them where they need to go. But really, most of the time, they're right on key. And what, what amazes me is my little, my little, uh, my littlest foster kid, she, she, little girl, she's four years old. And she just, she just amazes me at some of the retention that she has about biblical stories. Just, so. just tell me you guys don't sing Wind Beneath My Wings. No, <laughs> no. It would just, no, no. It'd be hard for me to see you do a bit Midler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. It would be hyper scary to think of me doing that. <laughs> good stuff. That's good. And, and number nine on our our list is uh, is is concerning race relations. You know, racism, the whole racial. Tensions that we see in our nation today are are, are pretty intense in some areas, but I, I think we as a church can go a long way in befriending people who don't look like us. Because you know, Curtis, you and I were talking about this off the podcast. Because quite honestly, there's only one race, and right. th- and that's the human race. Right. Because because the only difference we have in our skin tone, I mean, it's, it's the pigment in our skin. I mean, I, I, work, I remember at a former uh, place of employment, there was an African-American lady and there was a Caucasian lady. And the Caucasian lady went to the tanning bed so much that she was actually darker than the African-American woman. <laughs> it, but it's so really, all, all this is a pigment, a melatonin issue. Is it melatonin? Is that right? I know it's pigment. Anyhow, whatever Mel- it is. Melanin, yeah. Melanin. Yep. Mel- yep. Melatonin is yep. the stuff that helps you sleep. Okay, I got that right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but we're all we all bleed the same. We all made in the image of God. And so, honestly, you know, that's what it's about. Right. Right. And, and I don't... <laughs> This is one of probably one of the biggest burrs in my saddle, so to speak. If you could, if you could really see it, because I, I absolutely, I don't. And when people, and people with the critical theory nowadays and critical race theory nowadays, as soon as I say what I'm going to say, they'd be like, "Oh ha, that's 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 the first sign that you are racist." Be bullony, beeswax, you know, because that, that's just that's just not even that's not even true. When I say I don't care what color you are, that doesn't mean that I don't care about you. What that means is I don't, it doesn't matter to me what color you are. What matters to me is who you are. What matters to me is whom, whom's you are, whose you are. You know, are you Jesus's child? 
if if that's the case, or or if 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 you're a brother and a sister to me in Christ, then that's what I see you as. Uh, and that's it, what it should be. That we should see one another as. I mean, for instance, if you if you go back to the parable of the Good Samaritan, so many people miss this. If you don't do the cultural study behind it, you miss it. A lot. This is a, this is a case with many of Jesus's parables. Jesus was speaking to a Jewish audience that despised Samaritans, right? But he used the Samaritan, who was half Jewish, half Gentile, as the hero right. of the story, right? And so he's showing that, and, and he's teaching about who who. Uh, who is your neighbor? And he's basically showing that our neighbor is every single person with whom we make contact, whether they, pro- right. whether that person is from from uh, an ancestry of Africa or Australia or Europe or or whether they're Dutch or whether they're Irish or whether they're German or whether they're South American or whatever the case may be, we are all made in the image of God. And that is, mm-hmm. that's a powerful truth if we'll just simply comprehend that. It's a powerful truth and will transform how we see other people. Right. Right. And, and I just, I mean, I struggle with this in trying to hold my anger back when, when I discuss with somebody who's trying to pin me against the wall with as far as, um, you know, being racist or white privilege or whatever, I, I, I get very angry very quickly about it, and I got to really hold myself back. But I use the use the terminology or the, the picture in the Bible in the book of Acts when, when the Ethiopian eunuch was reading the scriptures, and he had to have it described or described to him what he was reading, right, mm-hmm. by, by an Israelite, right, by mm-hmm. a Jewish person. Right, totally two different races, totally you know, or ethnicities, you know, different levels of melanin, um, you know, and and it's like, why can't we see this? Why why are we struggling with just being able to communicate? And I understand why. I mean, I can look at the other ends of it and look at how we got where we're at. And and I partially, to me, I, I I'll put some of the blame on the church yeah yeah and 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 this isn't to take away because i you know i've I've had uh, african-american friends who've told me stories about things that have happened and and that's not to negate the fact that sure there are racist people out there you know there are people who uh who view others in a different fashion because of the way they look but the problem is is a sin problem ultimately and right. when we realize that, we can find the solution to that. And it's found the solution is found in a Christian worldview. Because, again, if you view every person as made in the image of God, then you're not going to um, use the, the origin of the person's ancestry against them. Because ultimately, here's a fascinating concept, Curtis, if we really stop to th- consider this, we're all related. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, no. We're all related, no matter yeah. where you come from. <laughs> yeah. You know, Arabs, Jews. Hey, you guys are related. You know, right. uh, Africans right. and Caucasians. You know, you guys are related. Americans, Russians. Hey, we're related because we all came from Adam and Eve. Okay, yeah. so that means we all have a common ancestry found in the in the two original people. Again. If we take a biblical worldview, we see that we have more that unites us than we do that separate us. So, again, I think a biblical worldview goes a long way in resolving a lot of these issues. 
Right, and, you know, scientifically, that just lines right up with our biblical worldview. Scientifically, we're not, we're all the same type of DNA strands. Absolutely. We're all, all the same makeup. And so, if you really stop to think about it, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we're not only interlinked together by our DNA, we're interlinked with creation because all of us had the same origin from God. God created everything. I mean, right. so and, and we're almost, you know, I don't mean to sound weird here, but we <laughs> we have a relationship to rocks and stardust. I mean, even if you oh, think about man. it. I'm not going new age. <laughs> I know where you're going with that. I'm not doing it, Curtis. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly where I was going with it. <laughs> but if, if you think that you know, if you think about us all being <laughs> them dang pine needles, man, they look just like me. Now everybody's going to blame the vaccine for my supposed oh, new. <laughs> But if you think about it, we do have all one origin, which is found in God. God created everything. So yeah. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Well, so, no, no, <laughs> number, number eight is what? Number eight is intentional prayer life. And, and you can also add, I think, to this spiritual disciplines. But in, having an intentional prayer life. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and this was another one of those where I... I I try to teach with um, almost utmost important uh, utmost importance when I'm talking with with man and and just trying to teach through men's ministry is is starting to have because starting to have a relationship with God really allows the spirit to move and and to convict them convict people and also direct people. And and by 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 being intentional with your prayer life, even if it's you know setting aside ten minutes in a day, that starts that process that then then works into exactly what you were saying earlier about how when Purser uh, was talking about you know just even being able to just say their name and, and you're you're going in petition with that. You're standing in with them. You're, you're standing in the gap with them. Now there is different levels of prayer. There's different, you know, different types. You got intercessory prayer. You got, you know, all of those types. I don't want to get all into that, but you can, you can then utilize where you're best at. I like to think prayer, just the just the prayers that we throw up throughout the day, as a messenger window, you know, on our computer. So it's just throughout the day. It's, there's a prayer, God, thank you, you know, blah, 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 you know, hey, think I'm thinking about this person right now, or, hey, you brought this person up to my mind, God, let me be able to pray for them. What do they need? That's you stepping into that intercessory part saying, okay, God, you just brought this person to my mind. Now I can step into that and walk with that for a minute. And it doesn't have to be this long drawn out thing. I mean, you can be you can be checking out at the at the grocery store and still be praying for the person that's right across from you. They Absolutely. don't, you know. You know, it's 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 just being intentional about. I'm going to take this minute. I'm going to start praying and learning how to communicate with God by by being able to give my requests through supplication. Through you know, it says, make your requests known to God. Mm. You know, ask. Ask and and he will and he will receive. So ask, seek, and knock. That's what Jesus says, right? 
and and in Matthew, that's what he was talking about. Ask, seek, and knock, and keep knocking. So it's important that we do that, and I think what, what really comes out of it is a uh, is a is a a humbleness where we then understand that we can have the roughest worst day, but if we're still praying, we're still allowing the spirit to move through us and still allowing the spirit to be able to move us into a new position. It opens us up to be influenced by what the what God is trying to get us to do or to say. And it also helps us be able to speak, just like we are right now, to people, encouraging them to do the same. Absolutely. And plus, you know, now now every time I say a prayer, I'm going to think of that little boop-boop coming up. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> That's exactly it, though, right? Well, you know, and, and, and things, a lot of things in life are about habit. You know, a lot of things. And so so we make resolutions for, you know, the, the upcoming year. I haven't made any resolutions this year, I'll be honest. The biggest resolution I have this year is to, to get started on my dissertation and hopefully get this thing, get that thing about done by the end of the year. That would be my biggest resolution. But Or, or get through or get through your 30-page chapter in your new book. Yeah, yeah. That thing is, yeah, I'm on chapter five of my the new book I'm writing on heaven and, and uh, this chapter talking about, Describing God, uh, you know, it's, it's 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 good, but man, it's gone. It's taken me forever to get through it. <laughs> but, but this will be about midway through the book. But but you know, anything you know, anything in life is intentional, and you know, we we, we need to be intentional in evangelism. We but we need to mm-hmm. especially be intentional in our prayer life, making time with God. Mm-hmm. And this brings us to number seven. Um, this is a. A negative thing that we're we're looking at as a church moving into 2021, and that is political toxicity. And Lord knows we have just seen a nasty, nasty election. Uh, odds are likely that this is going to get nasty in January. And the the problem, though, is that the leftovers from this toxicity won't dissipate, in, you know, immediately, and it's going to carry over. And and one of the great concerns that I have is uh, the fact that we are we see many apologists, many theologians who are spending more time on politics than they are on gospel issues. Now, I grant granted there are some issues that we're dealing with politically that cross over into ethical areas and theological areas, and I'll grant you that we need to cover those issues. We need to talk about those issues. Um, we need to stand true on, you know, stand firm on the truthfulness of God. But here again, as we mentioned before, um, you know, Bellator Christie is is has now become a global ministry, and the fact that we're reaching people across the world, you know, we need to we need to understand that ultimately it's about the kingdom of God and not about the kingdom of this world. And even if we fight, you know, for the kingdom of this world, to do it Jesus's way means that you're going to love people to death. <laughs> You're going to love them more because Jesus says, pray for your enemies. How many of us Christians, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, how many of us have spent time intentionally praying for those with whom we disagree? Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus tells us to do. Right. I mean, it, my problem is with this is it seems as if we've thrown the Beatitudes out. And, and ultimately, if we really stop to consider this, 
and we need to ask ourselves a question, what was the greatest problem the disciples had in the first century? And I'll go ahead and give you the answer. The problem was they wanted Jesus to be a military leader. They wanted him to be a king. They wanted to crown him a king to take right. over the powers of Rome and to reestablish Israel as the nation that it once was. Jesus didn't come to be that. Now, Jesus right. is the King of kings and he's the Lord of lords, but he did not come. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved in politics. There's a, there's a place for that. I, I think we need to be good citizens. And yes, there are things going on that, yes, we should be concerned, that they should draw concern. But ultimately, the question is, do we place more faith in political leaders or do we place more faith in God? And that's a challenge I think all of us need to ask ourselves uh, that's a question we need to all ask ourselves. In whom do I ultimately place my trust? And one more thing, and I'll hush. I'll get off my soapbox. But the scripture says, Some trust in chariots, and others trust in horses. Why do they say that? Because some people place their faith and trust in military might and what we can do. But the psalmist goes on to say, But we shall trust in the name of the Lord, mm-hmm. the name of God. And so, the name of Yahweh. So, the question is, where do we place our trust? And and I think here's here's something that that I find um, extra difficult in this is, and I and I've tried to explain this to my son and and various others is when we do get into these topics and we and we start having these conversations, we we run the risk of Closing out the other side, mm-hmm. closing out the other people that we should be trying to minister to. Now, I'm not saying we need to just be those that just, um, you know, allow people to, you know, run over us or have have a, have a strong opinion on the other side either. That's not what I'm saying. But we need to be cognizant of how we're how we're talking with them, and when we do. When we do talk, be aware of of the positions they hold and the things that they value, and then focus on Christ. Mm-hmm. Let Christ do the work in them, because here's here the ultimate thing is Brian. If we all hold to a biblical worldview, and Christ is the is the master of their of their ship and and their and their boat in the direction that they're going and in however whatever it is the winds of the the biblical truth will turn them the same direction that everybody's going. I agree wholeheartedly. And there's a saying that goes that people aren't going to care how much you know until they know how much you care. Sure. How much time are we praying for people who hold different viewpoints? Mm-hmm. I mean, we spend so much time on Facebook and on the drama of it all, which I, I really try not to respond too much to people on Facebook anymore. In fact, there was, there was a guy who was was wanting to have a debate with me, and I told him, I said, I really don't do that much on Facebook anymore. Now, that's not saying I haven't slipped, and I've repented for it. <laughs> I repent for it, you know, and, and there's, there are times where I've, I slip, but I try not to have debates on Facebook because it doesn't bring forth any good fruit because people get mad, people gang up, and then there's this hostile... This is hostile environment for, before you know it. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's built upon misunderstandings and misconstrues different opinions and things of this nature. Uh, we need to get back to biblical basics. 
mm-hmm. again, go back and read the Beatitudes. I had a friend of mine who who uh, who was asked to leave his church because he preached a, a series on the Sermon on the Mount because it was so radical they couldn't handle it. And I wonder if Jesus were to come today and preach the same message to us, how many Christians would accept what he had to say, which we see clearly in the Scripture. Again, we've thrown out the message of Jesus for this um, political fervor that I think is quite honestly tainting the witness of the church. Right. Right. I agree. So number six there. Yeah, number six, this is a good one that uh, you posted here, Curtis, and I really like this. The more I think about this, the more I like it. Serve God humbly we're planted, or, or uh, and I think you worded it, maybe worded it a different way. Um, right. Right, I, 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 I've always used the terms, um, uh, essentially, it, it, it goes kind of like this, wherever you are, be there. Mm. And what, what I mean by that is, when when you're when you're in conversation with somebody, um, be there. Mm-hmm. Be there in that conversation. Try, don't let your mind wander. Listen to what they have to say. Listen to how they're talking and 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 the things that they're questioning or asking. Or, for example, when you're at a basketball game watching your daughter play basketball, be there at the game. You know, in in our our phones and our um, our thoughts now, our minds are are built on such a uh, short time span anymore. We we don't we don't have the the attention span we used to, um, and, and our phones are are kind of a pathway to be able to get away from whatever's going on in that moment. So I, I try to be very intentional with whenever we're doing something that I'm one hundred percent giving all my focus in at that moment. And two things I want to say to that, and I think that's very good. One, this is a key element that we find in clinical chaplaincy uh, is is at what they call active listening, and that is to to make the focus on the person you're visiting, and, and to be there in the present moment. And I think this is so very important because very few of us are anymore. And and so I think you find this element there. And I also thought I also kept thinking about whenever you were start talking about being in the moment of, uh, and that moment could even be the place where you are. And I, I thought about uh, there was a lady at a church I used to serve as pastor. Her name is Patsy Boo, sweet woman of God, and she said, uh, "Bloom where you're planted, wherever God mm. plants you." Bloom there. Be in the, and I think there's a lot of correlation between the two thoughts. Being, sure. being there in the moment and serving God humbly wherever you are. Sure. William Lane Craig, this brings me to the second point. William Lane Craig has expressed concern over the, the younger generation of apologists coming forth who are more concerned about making a big name for themselves than they are to humbly serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of see what he's talking about. Sure. Because we hear a lot about people wanting to make a name for themselves. Here's the problem. It's not about being a superstar. It's because if, if that's our intention, the intention is on us when really the glory should be given over to Christ. Right. Right. And I, and you kind of, I kind of think back when, when you were talking about that, when, they, when, when you're talking about the lady that said, bloom where you're planted. All I can think about is the flower that comes up in between the sidewalk cracks. 
Yeah. Okay, that flower may get trampled and treaded on, but for a moment it made somebody pause and look at it and say, man, that's that's beautiful. Look at that flower. And I think that there's something to be said about that. Um, it, it doesn't, it's, it, you know, it's a, it's a moment where somebody can recognize that, that Christ is being shown that, that, that we speak it, that we're speaking the truth, that we're speaking something that is hitting deeper and harder at where, uh, where, where it hits them the most, where their heart can be changed. I, 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 that, that brings to mind a story I read about, and it's a true story. There's actually a picture, even though it's been replaced now. Um, there is, was an, a famed atheist in early 19th century, uh, or excuse me, 20th century England who said that uh, he is either 19th or 20th, I think it's 20th century, but he basically said that he wanted to have a layer of concrete placed over his tomb so that if Christ were to come back, he wouldn't be disturbed whenever people were raised from the dead. Here's the interesting thing. They let they, they placed a, a, an area of concrete over the tomb, and there was this tree that grew up through the middle of that concrete, broke forth, and split the thing in two. <laughs> now, that tree was a witness to the power of God. Now, can you imagine the tree, you know, when planted there underneath this concrete, thinking, oh my goodness, how in the world am I going to get through this thing? But God brought it through a, a, a big slab of concrete for His own glory. And so there again... You know, we may think that where we're serving is, uh, it, we we may think where we're serving is in the middle of nowhere. That we're we're never we're not doing any good, or no one's no one's seeing us, or no you know, uh, no one's hearing us. But God sees us. God knows us. God hears us. And as mm-hmm. long as God knows what we're doing, and the service we're doing for Him, mm-hmm. He's the only one that really matters. Anyhow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I. <laughs> I just think about the simple, the simple things that go through my mind, or maybe you were just, maybe you were put here on this earth just to talk to the 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 postal delivery person. Yeah, you know, they go and see how many people a day, you know, and you see them once, and maybe God just gave you a word to speak life into that, and then that travels and travels and travels, and I. I think it's important that we realize that that if we're open to always be looking for that moment to speak into somebody's life, God's going to open that door and provide an opportunity for us to be able to do it. It doesn't always have to be this big theological deep thing. It might even just be the one word that they needed to hear because God's been working on their heart for how many months, how many years, and all they needed to hear was one word from somebody else, the specific word that God gave you to speak, and that locks it into them that then they believe. And, and you never know. A, a simple seed planted may be a simple word now that may develop into deeper theological conversations for all we know. But but also we have to understand the way God works. Life isn't just a linear process. I think it's like a spider web. We make contacts with other people who have contacts with other people. So if right. God uses you to change a life, if God uses you to um, to minister to someone, 
then that person can minister to several other people. So your ministry has already doubled its impact already mm-hmm. if that person ministers to just one other person. Well, imagine if they minister to 10 other people. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it continues to multiply and multiply. You know, a simple deed can bring forth great fruit if God's in it. Now, let me also say this. We preachers can a lot of times be like professional wrestlers. Uh <laughs> <laughs> because imagine Hulk Hogan, you know, having a conversation with Ric Flair. Uh, that's my boy right there, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> you know, brother, I won 11 championships. What you going to do? Ric Flair says, well, hey, man, I won 16 championships. Woo, you know. Anyhow, they have this conversation, and it's all about what they did. A lot of times preachers are that way. You get a group of preachers together, they're going to talk about what they've done, what they've done. Ultimately, it's not about what we can do anyhow. It's all about what God does through us because he's the one that changes lives. He's the one that saves souls. Mm. So I need to get off my soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. So number five, this is an issue that's uh, actually on previous lists has been number one and uh, really could still be number one. Uh, but there's just some other issues coming up that's really kind of, of um, more of a focus right now, uh, even though this, this still should be a focus. But we're talking about biblical and theological illiteracy. Uh, the mm-hmm. fact that many people do not know simple biblical truths, therefore mm-hmm. they do not know simple theological truths. I can't tell you. I've, I've had this happen two or three times already of individuals who've been in church for all their lives. I'm talking about people who are in their 70s and 80s who tell me, I've never heard of the second coming of Christ. I've never heard of the final resurrection. They haven't heard of these theological issues that are so enriched in the pages of the Old and New Testament. Uh, And so it it shows me the growing problem we have. People don't know the Bible, and therefore people aren't going to know proper theology. Mm -hmm. And that's why there's so many people are duped into uh, different lies that are going forth and uh, different uh, movements that take place. Right. And this is is probably one of my biggest, biggest things I try to engage with people on and teach people on it's it's so so important that we have that we're engaged with the bible the god's word every day Mm -hmm. and 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 engaged in such a way that that we're getting more than just the verse of the day Mm -hmm. you know getting it into us to where we're it's it's oozing out of every pore of us that then when we're talking and we're speaking we can actually think of you know the the biblical stories the think of the biblical applications in life think of all of these things as we're walking through and doing in our in our lives uh, throughout our throughout our conversations with people and and such and i to me um having a real solid biblical understanding you can hear a preacher or a teacher or you can hear somebody even on the street whatever say something and you can actually be just like the Bereans and be like hey wait a minute I've heard that somewhere before mm-hmm. now now I'm in now I'm engaged now now I'm engaged with the word because I've 
because I, I know that's not exactly what I've heard before. What What's the difference? And then so then all of a sudden you start actually wanting to dig in and think about it. Um, you know, and using sites, using, uh, um, you know, sites where you can find answers um, is such a key. Um, Blue Letter Bible is one that you could... You could just type in a keyword in their search, and you can find out where it's at or how many times it's it's in the Bible, and you can start researching and trying to figure that out. and And it helps you be able to say, um, you know, I don't I don't necessarily think that that's quite right, but let me check. And you know, and there, there's another website you can go to check for those issues too. What's that? <laughs> Bellator Christie. <laughs> I, w- I was expecting you to say like 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 logo software or something like that. I'm like I'm like oh. it's like come on man, we got a website here, you know. <laughs> I was oh my goodness, what a hilarious thing! Oh man, yeah, exactly. Bellator Christie. Oh my goodness! And, and I hear there's a little podcast that talks about that too. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh, oh, the joys. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Curtis, if you had hair, you probably wouldn't pull it out right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Now, we're first we were making fun of me being Netherland dwarf, and now we're talking about me being bald. So. Hey, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm joining you, man. I, honestly, I am. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Hey, Pastor Eric, you're going to have to pray for us. I'm just going to say. <laughs> yeah, it's getting. It's going to get bad. <laughs> Wait. Uh, Number four. Sorry. Number four. This is an issue that uh, ministerial and personal integrity. And this has not yeah. been a good year uh, for Christian integrity in, in leadership roles. We had. Uh, yeah. Jerry Falwell Jr., uh, the issues going on with him, and then re- more recently, uh, and uh, e- even even more devastating, I would even say, than the first one, uh, uh, Ravi Zacharias, uh, and, mm-hmm. and some of the things that has been revealed by RZIM, and this, uh, this is obviously going to be something that's going to be further unveiled as we get into the uh, first quarter of 2021, according to the investigations that's ongoing. Uh, but it does appear that uh, there was some uh, indiscretions, sexual indiscretions that that uh, Ravi Zacharias had had done uh, during his ministry. So yeah, we we talked a little bit about this. I think it was the last podcast or the one before right. uh, about right. the importance of having integrity. And so uh, this is something obviously we we have got to stress and emphasize more so in in mm-hmm. Christian ministry. Christian leadership, uh, being individuals of, of great integrity. Right. And, and, uh, Carl Lentz, um, you know, with Hillsong, uh, New York, um, there's a couple of others that, that fell this, um, to, uh, you know, adulterous things and, and things that, um, that, that really are, are bothersome. And I, and I gotta say, Yes, we're all human, and yes, we are all, um, you know, needing grace by God. But when we become more, like you were saying, the ministry is more about the name 
and that person, then all of a sudden we start um, thinking we become invincible. Amen. We forget that we forget who we serve and what we serve. Um, and and I think it's rather important that we uh, that we that we continue helping and holding each other accountable um, and allowing people, like we said in our last podcast, building our ministry in such a way that we have people as safeguards and guardrails um, in our lives that can speak into us, um, even into the even into the deep stuff that have permission to be able to speak um, into our lives. Absolutely. We need less Christian stars and more Christian servants, mm, honestly. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah. you know, we, we've built this culture where we think that we... Well, I mean, let's just look to the people we go to now. I mean, who was it? I can't remember. There was a Christian artist who said we need to stop going to Christian musicians for the answers for our problems. Right. Um, I can't remember who said that. I, I can see his face as clear as day, but I can't remember who it was. Um, that's what I get for messing with you a while ago. <laughs> but, but but anyhow, I mean, in all seriousness, we've done the same thing in the world of Christian apologetics. We try to make names for ourselves. I mean, what, what what's the point and purpose? Are we making a name for ourselves so that we can minister to more people? That's one thing. Are we making a name for ourselves so just to have our name in lights? That's a problem. We, we've got to really question our motives what is the end goal? Is it to glorify self or is it to glorify the Savior? It can't be both because Jesus tells us you, you can't serve God in money. You can't serve God in the world. It's either or. Right. So the question is at the end of the day, even in Christian ministries, we need to have a good, hard look within to see who the focus of our ministries truly are or truly is. Right, right, right. And I, I think it's I think it's vitally important that we um, that if we don't have those guardrails or those people involved, that I think we we prayerfully consider and seek those people out and and be intentional about that coming into the new year, coming into 2021, and just allowing those kind of things to kind of happen, but, you know, allow them to happen organically with, with friends and family, but also... Um, you know, allow, you have to kind of take the first step, you know, to ask somebody to do it, but, but allowing, you know, you don't have to get crazy about it, just allowing them to be able to, to speak life into you, you know, and, and to help support you up when you, when you need that help. Absolutely. And I would also say as well, when it comes to Christian ministries, especially where finances are involved, be very open and transparent. Mm. Be very open and transparent. Yeah. Yeah. So this brings us to number three. Curtis, this is one of yours, uh, high up on your list. Uh, biblical engagement. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, that that involves, um, you know, being intentional, kind of like prayer uh, prayer time and, and being, being involved in, in prayer with, you know, intentionality in your prayer life. This biblical engagement, meaning that you're not just um, reading it and just reading it to read, but you're actually reading it and storing the 
the information and um, however that works for some people. Some people, it's they got to write stuff down. They got to write notes down what they're getting out of it. Some people scribble onto their Bible and draw notes and arrows and highlights and whatever it takes. Whatever it's going to take to get you to um, to actually engage with that and actually allow the scripture to become life. I think that's huge. And, and ask questions as you go through the biblical text. Ask right. the who, right. what, when, where, why, and how questions. Right. Uh, there's right. nothing wrong with that. That gets you better engaged. And be sure, I can't stress this enough, you've got to do the background studies as well. Uh, right. You, you know, going back to something you said earlier, Curtis, you know, the, the, the verse of the day, the verse of the day is better than nothing, but really, verses can be taken out of context, so it is better to read chapters and, and paragraphs rather than just verses. Get deeper sure. into the story of what's going on and and, and do that those background studies. I mean, I'm preparing stuff right now for the dissertation, which I can't mention on the air, but I'm going to tell you, if this goes as, as I'm hoping it's going to go, man, there's some deep stuff coming from the stuff I'm seeing here, and it goes deep in cultural background studies. It's really, really fascinating. Hopefully, maybe we can, if this goes and clears and passes the process, I'd love to have a series of podcasts on on the issues I'm studying right now. Oh, boy, we sure will once that happens. But, yeah, so, like, also along with biblical engagement, taking um, extra biblical text, so, or context, or um, historical research, or taking in more than just the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I'm, and I don't mean that as like, oh, we need the Bible plus or Bible and. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if, 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 you're, if you're on Facebook, then, then, then like and share or start following um, Bible archaeological uh, pages or, mm-hmm. um, you know, those, what it does is it builds life into things. And so then all of a sudden they're talking about something from the second temple period or something from Solomon's temple or something from, uh, you know, the pool of Siloam. And all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, wait a minute. Okay. The pool of Siloam. I know where that's at. I know what I got here. I know what they were talking about in the Bible, this and this and this. And all of a sudden it becomes this, um, life this book that comes to life for you yeah (laughs) excuse me i think many times we and some people have had (sighs) negative reaction to apologetics i think for this very reason some people view their faith as being a comic book story Mm -hmm. as being something that they've drawn out in their mind they have envisioned certain things but when you see that there are real places and people associated with these events Mm -hmm. it becomes much more real to the person right for some people that's scary that's frightening right and so kind of like what you're saying i i I find it very difficult and hard for me because my my daughter's into youth ministry and children's ministry and stuff and my wife's engaged with that and we got all of our kids you know our, our foster kids and our younger kids all involved with the, the children's ministry and such, and, and I enjoy it, and I think it's great and wonderful. But when you see pictures in the Bible or pictures in a storybook about Noah, and it shows this cartoon-shaped 
uh, boat with the giraffe's head hanging out and elephant ears hanging out. And it's just kind of this cartoon looking thing. It takes away the real meaning of what actually went on there and what was trying to be given to. Now, we got to be able to transition from when the children were teaching the children at the level to help pull them along. But we got to start being able to pull out of that and be able to teach them the real stories that this really did happen. And it really is important that we understand that these were historical events. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so for instance, just what happened this past, you know, this past week, you know, uh, right before Christmas, um, my son asked me about Santa Claus and I asked him, I said, do you want to know the truth? He said, yeah, I want to know the truth. One of his friends had said that Santa Claus and, and Jesus didn't exist. I said, well, let's just take this. And so I first of all explained to him St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas was a real person, uh, and the, the myth associated with him came from that. And I took him back to the historical person and told him the truth. He wanted to know the truth, so I told him the truth. And then when we got to Jesus, we really started talking about you know the evidence to show forth that Jesus was a real person, uh, the, the, the reasons to believe in, in Scripture. We didn't get as deep as I had wanted to, uh, but you know we we uh, hopefully planted a seed in his mind to really start to think that uh, stop to think that this is a real person we're talking about. And so I think a lot of times we do. I mean, I don't have any problems with people using these comics to to, to teach young children. But there comes a point in time where we got to move past the milk to the meat and right. potatoes. And right. I think that's what you were saying, too. We've got to right. move to a point where we realize these events are not comic book tales. These events actually happened. And if Jesus literally did raise from the dead on the third day, that means he literally is coming back. And that means we've got to get busy and stay focused on what our mission right. is. Right, right. And, you know, I mean, I I, I think of, like, um, for example, my upbringing growing up in the Catholic Church, I'm looking around seeing all these, you know, chubby naked baby angels that are <laughs> riding around on clouds playing harps. It's like, okay, that's definitely not what heaven's going to be. I really hope not because that does not give me any any hope or or that's that gives me no manly desire to to want to be part of heaven or part of god just wait till this book comes out that i'm writing I, <laughs> in fact i was talking with a guy who was very very intelligent guy man he is I, I, I think he he worked deep in the sciences but and he's a believer and we started having i mean he started talking about quantum mechanics bringing theology and quantum mechanics. My mind was blown. I mean, it was blown double time. And uh, But but anyhow, we, we started talking about these different issues, and we came back to some of the topics that's going to be discussed in the book uh, that I'm writing. And so um, I'm hoping to get it out soon. If every chapter ends up like this fifth chapter, it may be a lot longer than I anticipated. But 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 it's coming along, and I'm really excited because I think this is this hopefully will be something that will transform the way people view heaven. And mm. that's that's the goal. Uh, mm. to, to, to show that it's going to be greater than anything we ever think or imagine. But mm. uh, number two, and this is kind of go, goes along with what we've been talking about, a focus on truth. Um, we've, we've kind of combined this together, uh, focus on truth. So many people are caught up in these different conspiracy theories. And again, they're focusing on all these conspiracy theories 
And there are people out there looking at them as if they, they've lost their minds, but they're focusing more on these conspiracy theories than they are on the truths of the gospel. Here again, we've got a problem. And I think the reason for this focus on conspiracies, it all derives from fear and anxiety. We're trying to figure out what's going on, and sometimes it's easier to come up with all these different theories than it is for us to look at the underlying situations going on, which are more spiritual. Spiritual battle that's been going on since Satan fell out of heaven. The spiritual war that's going on even now. Uh, But we, we look more towards these conspiracy theories than we do hard data. And I think that our, again, our wit- I'm a person who highly values truth. I'm a, it, was, it was the focus on truth that uh, God used to bring me back to a stronger faith, bring me back in the ministry. And had I been, and I'm thinking to myself, had I in 2005 been in the apologetics world as we see it in 2020, I don't know if these apologists who are focusing on these conspiracy theories I don't know that what they had to say about the truths of the gospel would have been as convincing to me if they're mixing that with these conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of wondering, as people who are searching for the truth, if they if they hear the hard date of the gospel, but then they hear this these conspiracy theories intermingled with the presentation of the gospel, could they could that not also lead to more doubt on their part? Yeah, wrong view of God. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and you know the other thing that you were saying is, um, and that out of those produces fear and anxiety. Uh, out of that, without finding the truth, without the focus on the truth, um, it produces fear and anxiety, which then people can become paralyzed, uh, you know, in in what they think or how they do things, and that then becomes an idol in their heart. They mm-hmm. choose the fear and they choose the anxiety over the truth because they're comfortable there. Absolutely. And I know it's not, it sounds the weird, it's the weirdest thing for, for some people to hear or some pe- for me even to say, but, but people actually get comfortable living in fear. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think and, that's what and, we're seeing now. I think, yeah. I think people had rather live in fear than they would to trust that God's sovereign hand is upon all of this. Right. Right. Yep. And so, number one, the post-COVID-19 ministry. Yeah, before we get into that, and so that's our number one post-COVID-19 ministry, let let, let me just say one more quick thing about this, about number two. I I was paid a a great compliment recently on, uh, on having a balanced approach and the person came to me for advice because I wasn't one who was given into these conspiracies, who wasn't reacting out of emotion, but basically reacted from truth and logic. They, that person trusted, and even there's more than one, those people trusted, in my opinion, more so because I wasn't jumping off the deep end of the pool at every mm-hmm. single thing that came down the pipe. And so I think there's a lot to be said by we Christians being logical and level-headed as we as we f- are met with different obstacles in life's way. So, yeah, number one, post-COVID-19 ministry. I don't know, uh, and I, I've put it on Facebook, and I'll let everybody know that uh, with, with my job, it was I was offered the COVID-19 vaccine, and I took it. I've had no 
I really had outside of a, of a mild arm pain and a little bit of a rash, which I normally get when, when it comes to vaccines anyhow. I haven't had any any reactions whatsoever. Uh, but as I put on Facebook, this, this, is a, this is a decision that I encourage every person to discuss with their family physician. Talk with your medical doctor before you make a decision and really pray about it. You need, to, you need to be much in prayer for it. I don't think that this is the mark of the beast or I wouldn't have taken it. I don't think, I and mean, we're going to have, we're going to maybe even our next podcast, I know we're going to have an article coming out on this, Maybe talking about what the mark of the beast is. I think theologically we are mistaken on what the mark of the beast is anyhow. Um, so we'll talk about that on a future podcast, a future article as well. Um, but here again, this kind of goes back into the whole area of, of conspiracy thinking. I say all of that to say this. Eventually, we're going to come out of COVID-19. Eventually, it's going to happen, whether it's 2021 or 2022. It's going to happen. Historians have said, have prognosticated, if you go back and look at the Spanish flu of 1918, when they came, when the nation came out of the Spanish flu ep- pandemic, the Roaring Twenties developed. This was a time of great economic blessing. There were revivals taking place, people coming back to church. There were a lot of good things that happened during the Twenties. Okay, I think that can happen again. In fact, some people are prognosticating by 2024 we could see another Roaring Twenty happen uh, in the 2020s, just like it did in the 1920s. That can happen. The question is, how will the church respond to that? There are a lot of questions out there. In fact, Tom, um, Sam Rayner, the son of Tom Rayner, wrote a post uh, just today, published a post talking about the post-COVID-19 church. And it was said that some people uh, have developed the habit of being out of church. And churches are going to have to be intentional about going back and reaching to those people and maybe even looking at doing different kinds of ministry. Um, Even when the pandemic's over, there are going to be some people who are going to be a little scared of going into public gatherings. Some of the things we're doing now with online ministry, we need to continue doing those things. And we need to think of new uh, new ways of ministering to people, uh, of reaching out to people. And so I think that there are good days coming. I don't know if it'll be 2021, but there are better days coming. The question is, will there be a revival that happens for the church? Or will it be a time where, we're, where the people who've left the church will stay gone? I don't know. Sam Rayner seems to think that the people who who have left the church are going to stay gone. I'm not so sure. Um, But either way, ministry is going to look a lot different uh, after after COVID-19 is over. Some people, you know, some people um, with some ministry, some churches may not survive the pandemic, quite frankly. But from those ashes, a new church can be born and developed, and, and new ministries can be formulated. Um, but but the question is, how are we going to do ministry after COVID-19 is over? And um, how we react now? Have we done damage to our witness during this time? I think that's something we've got to, again, we need, we need to take a good look inside of ourselves and ask where our focus and trust is. Yeah, yeah. And I and I think um, I think here's here's probably one of the bigger keys I guess to a 
you could say a post-COVID-19 ministry is don't be afraid to change. Absolutely. Be, look at, be looking for an opportunity for God to move. Mm-hmm. And, and if God says, hey, we're going to shut the doors on this brick and mortar, but you're going to have a, you're going to, we're going to start an online ministry. And that online ministry is going to reach 10,000 more people than you would if you had, you know, the brick and mortar that then that's what it's going to be. And I think that's something that I think, uh, you know, us at Bellator Christie are actually, I don't know. I don't want to say we're, we're chomping at the bit, but we're looking forward to it. Mm-hmm, absolutely. We're looking, we're looking forward to some sort of a, some sort of a change or some sort of a step in that direction that we can then start reaching more people. Absolutely. How that's how, how that's all going to look? That's all going to kind of come out in the wash, and how we're going to deal with it. It's it, that's all that's all stuff that we're going to have to talk administratively. But I think not being afraid to to step off in a direction that God's leading us, even though it doesn't seem it doesn't seem normal. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem what we grew up as. I'm just going to say I, some of this isn't going to go back to normal. You're right. And that's what Sam Sam Rayner was saying, too. Some things aren't going to go back to normal. No, no. And and I I hate to say it. You know, people are like, well, you know, I I just can't wait for it to get back to normal. Well, neither can I. But then you also hear people say, um, get used to the new normal. Well, there's got to be something in the middle there, I think, that, that... that as long as we're I, our eyes are open, we we might have opportunities here to reach more people than we ever could have before. I, I think that's absolutely true, and and the reality is is we may again. Let, let, let's let's do a little bit of a quick history here, and I know we're running out on we've run out of time. The question is, you know, it's been asked before, why do we have church services at eleven o'clock, and why do some churches have evening services at six o'clock? That was started. It wasn't started by the earliest church. Now, meeting on Sunday mornings was started by the earliest church. But meeting at 11 o'clock for Sunday worship services was done in early America to help farmers be able to get their crops in to be able to be in church on time. It allowed them the time in the mornings to bring their crops in, to do the things they needed to do around the farm to meet there at 11 o'clock in the morning. There's nothing saying that we couldn't meet earlier on Sunday mornings or meet later on Sundays. There's there's nothing saying that we can't do that. A lot of these traditions have been established because that's just the way we've done them for a long time. Maybe it's time that maybe God's bringing something out of this where he's challenging us to look at some different ways of doing ministry that it doesn't have to be these cookie-cutter um, these cookie-cutter examples as we have as we have done in the past. Right, right, and I think that's I think that's something that you know, um, you know, having it you know having a day set aside where we can focus on on God and and having those you know uh, kind of like a Shabbat or or having a, a time where we we have the Lord's day and just I think it becomes more about intentionality than mm. it becomes about formality. Exactly. And I think that's a big key. Yep. Agreed. So, well, 
folks, we here at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayers that this podcast helps stretch your mind and is a, pay, a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and is a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie podcast. And until next time, Brian and I say, soldier so on, friends. listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com the opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates the Bellator Christie podcast and bellatorchristie.com are protected under creative commons copyright all rights reserved the opening theme is the song crucified written by John and Michaela Limanis performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. This is Brian Chilton, and you're listening to the Night Sky Report, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. 2020 saw an amazing host of different events throughout the year in the night sky. 2021 promises to offer much the same. Next year, we'll start off with the Quad Quadrantids a major meteor shower that will peak around January 3rd. So three days into 2021, you'll be able to see this meteor shower. The Quadrantis' radiant point is situated in the constellation Bootes, uh, uh, but their name comes from the Quadrans Muralis, a uh, former constellation created by French astronomer Jerome Lalande in 1795. Uh, although the Quadrantis meteor rate can be very high, it is hard to see the meteors as they are quite faint, and their peak period lasts only a few hours. The hour, average hourly rate you can expect under the dark skies is around 25 meteors, but still worth checking out. The biggest news of 2021 in the night sky, and really is more of space news in general, is the landing of Perseverance on Mars. For anyone who has an interest in space studies, the main event of February 2021 will be the landing of Perseverance on Mars. This is NASA's newest Mars rover. It's expected to land on the red planet on February 18th. Uh, the the, uh, the uh, new uh, rover is to explore the Jezero crater. Scientists believe it was once flooded with water and home to an ancient river delta. The rover is accompanied by a the helicopter Ingenuity that will search for locations to study and plan the best driving route. Perseverance is the first rover to carry microphones. So interestingly enough, very soon you'll be able to hear the sounds of the Martian surface, surface and how interesting that will be. We're going to have a total, total lunar eclipse in 2021. 
This will occur on May 26th and will be the first total lunar eclipse since January of 2019. The total lunar eclipses occur only on the nights of a full moon when the sun, the earth, and the moon line up, and the earth completely blocks the sun's light from reaching the moon. The total lunar eclipse of May 2021 will be visible in Southeast Asia, all of Australia, all of Oceania, and most of Alaska and Canada, most of North and South America, and all of Hawaii. So if you're lucky enough to be in one of those areas, go out and check it out. Also on June 10th, 2021, there's going to be an annular solar eclipse. Uh, this will uh, happen, uh, this, this occurs when the new moon passes between Earth and the Sun, but doesn't cover the total disk completely. Uh, thus, a characteristic annulus or ring is created around the moon. This annular eclipse of June 2021 will be visible primarily in northern Canada, Greenland, and the Russian Far East. For those of us in uh, North America, we, we won't be able to, to check that out. But still, nonetheless, very interesting if you live in the areas that uh, will experience that. Every year, the main astronomical event of August is the Perseid meteor shower, and 2021 won't be an exception. The Perseids are probably the most spectacular meteor shower in the northern hemisphere due to their bright meteors and warm nights at this time of the year. In 2021, the Perseids will peak on the nights of August 12th through the 13th with a rate of upwards of 60 meteors per hour. So August 12th and 13th, pray for clear skies and go out and take a look at that. Another big event of August 2021 that you will not want to miss is the opposition of Jupiter. On August 19th, the largest planet of the solar system will line up with the Earth and the Sun. On the night of opposition, which again is August 19th, Jupiter will be exactly opposite the Sun and will get closest to our planet. This means that the gas giant will look even bigger and brighter than usual. Already it's one of the, I think it's the fifth brightest uh, object in the night sky. And then, even then, it'll be easily observable with the naked eye. And with a pair of binoculars, you'll be able to see the famous Galilean moons. And so you want to take a look at that coming up on August 19th, 2021. The first mission to the Trojan asteroids. Uh, is, this is related to Jupiter. On October 16th, 2021, NASA is planning to launch its Lucy mission, which will last 12 years. It will be the first mission to study the Trojan asteroids. Time capsules from the birth of our solar system, as NASA called them. The spacecraft named Lucy will fly by seven Trojans sharing the orbit of Jupiter. The term Trojans comes from the fact that traditionally the asteroids were named after the heroes of the Trojan War. So this is coming up October 16th, 2021. The year 2021 will conclude with another prolific meteor shower, the Geminids, which will peak on the night of October, of, excuse me, December 13th and 14th. And just like the Perseids, they will produce upwards of 60 meteors per hour. So again, uh, be sure to highlight December 13th and 14th on your calendar for 2021. 2021 has a lot of interesting things taking place. In fact, in May of 2021, Venus will move from the morning sky to the night sky. 
And interestingly, as we take a look at uh, January, uh, we have a few events for January of 2021. And so we're going to kind of combine this together. On January 4th, uh, this is the morning of the latest sunrise of 2021 as viewed from a latitude 40 degrees north. Beginning January 5th, the sun will start rising earlier. And interestingly, by the end of the month, we will gain 12 minutes uh, of sunlight earlier in the morning uh, compared to this date. By February 15th, a half hour earlier, and by March 8th, it will have increased to a full hour. Uh, so, so we're going. Where time is getting to where we are getting more and more sunlight as we uh, return to the summer equinox. And I don't know about you, but I like that. So uh, daylight savings time will begin on March 14th, and as a result of pushing back the clock ahead one hour, the second Sunday morning of March will see the sun rise as late as it does on January 27th. So, uh, very interesting. January 6th, the last quarter moon will be at 4.37 a.m. In this phase, the moon appears as a half moon in the sky. January 9th, the moon will be at perigree, its closest point uh, to Earth in its orbit at 10.27 a.m. January 10th, Mercury should make its first evening appearance of 2021, uh, visible low in the afterglow of sunset, forming a triangle with Jupiter and Saturn. And so this is going to be very interesting as the three planets are beginning to come closer and closer together. Uh, January 11th, Venus is coming to an, the end of what has been a spectacular morning appearance. Observers at mid-northern latitudes will see Venus around 10 degrees above the southeast horizon a half hour before sunrise. So eventually by May of 2021, Venus will start appearing in the evening sky. So they're going to be, it's going to be switching places. January 13th, the new moon will be at 12 a.m. In this phase, the moon is not illuminated by direct sunlight and is completely invisible to the naked eye. January 20th, we see the first quarter moon at 4.02 p.m. In this phase, the moon looks like a half moon in the sky. January 20th, uh, as darkness falls, take note of the yellow-orange Mars glowing 7.5 degrees to the upper left of the moon. You'll see Mars a similar distance from the moon, but uh, in the next day to its upper right. But Mars at the beginning of 2021 shines at a magnitude of negative 0.2 and crosses the meridian shortly after the end of evening twilight. January 21st, the moon will be at apogee, its farthest point from Earth in its orbit at 8.10 a.m. January 24th, Mercury is at its greatest elongation, 18.6 degrees east of the sun. From about January 21st to 28th, you should see Mercury fairly easily if you look west-southwest from a spot with an unobstructed horizon 30 minutes after sunset. That time, Mercury is at least 10 degrees above horizon for observers around 40 degrees latitude north. If you keep watching as the sky grows darker, you may see that Mercury is flanked by stars uh, formal halt to its left and Altair even farther to its right. Saturn is in conjunction with the sun and enters the morning sky on January 24th. So the big news of 2020 was the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. Well, actually Jupiter and Saturn are moving to the morning skies. And this will happen late in the month of January. January 28th, a full wolf moon it will occur at 2.16 uh, p.m. And uh, January 29th, Jupiter joins in its conjunction 
with uh, with with excuse me with uh, Saturn in the morning sky. So Jupiter, Saturn, both moving to the morning sky. And on January 29th, Jupiter is in conjunction with the sun and enters the morning sky at this time. So January 2021 has some interesting things, some shifting of the planetary bodies as we go through the first month in 2021. This is Brian Chilton. This has been your night sky report here on bellatorchristi.com. And we want to to remind you to keep giving God the glory for his creation and keep looking up. Have you ever wondered about the Christian faith, but have become bogged down by difficult terminology? Are you a Christian and faced doubts and you didn't know where to turn? Maybe your faith has been challenged and you don't know how to respond. Or perhaps you desire to learn more about how to winsomely defend your faith, but you do not have the time nor the finances to enroll in seminary. If any of these situations describes you, then consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. This book confronts the challenges facing the Christian faith, but does so in a way that is accessible to everyone. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is available in softcover, hardcover, on the Kindle, and Nook. Consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics from your favorite bookstore today.